Hello, everyone, and welcome to Recharge Radio. I know some of you probably looked at this podcast and maybe freaked out a little bit because you guys are so used to our six, seven-minute segments, but and you looked at this one, you think, wait, is that 50, 60, 70 minutes? 70 minutes? And yes, indeed, you are not wrong. This is indeed a long segment. But don't worry, it won't be as what you normally expect. This is our opportunity to share with you our Recharge Radio interviews. Yes, our Recharge Radio interviews, a time in which we get to bring another member of our church, and indeed is from our church. As you can see, we at uh, Recharge Radio, we're part of a church called Redeemer's Grace Church, and we understand that really all things stem from the church as God planned it to be. And so we had the opportunity to bring in a brother from the church to share with us just a little bit of his wisdom, to share a little bit more of what he has to do, he has to say about worship in general. And I think that was just such a profitable time for all of us to learn and to grow. And so with that, we have our brother Luke Shu with us here today. You know, how are you doing this morning? Hey, Andy, how's it going? It's, it's super good to be here. It's a wonderful Sunday afternoon, sunny San Diego, can't complain. God has been so good to us and uh, yeah, just been enjoying it. Glad to be here. Uh, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm excited to finally get together and figure this out between the two of us. I've been looking forward just to hearing from you and to, even just to, for myself to learn as well from all you have to say. And, you know, today is indeed a hot day, but I'm thankful even just for the fan that's been able to cool us down and just for all the blessings that God continues to give us. But, you know, just, just to kind of share a little bit more about who Luke is, and I'll give him the opportunity to share more, but Luke is definitely someone I greatly respect. He's an older brother who's been really setting such an example for me in the ways he serves and the way he's even grown as well. So with that, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Luke, just the ways that you serve in our church and really the, how you spend your time. Yeah, uh, thank you for the kind words, Andy. Um, <laughs> definitely. I'm uh, really thankful again. It's a privilege to be here and just to share a little bit. Um, but my name is Luke again, and I've been at RGC, Redeemer's Grace Church, uh, for pretty much since we started. And we just passed our 10-year anniversary, so it's super, super exciting. Uh, we've just seen God's faithfulness uh, time and time again uh, just over the years in our church. And it, I've just been so grateful. It's, I've grown so much in the past 10 years being here and, and serving in different ways. And in particular, in particular, uh, just this coming uh, year, uh, currently I am serving in a variety of ways. One uh, is is supporting our K's ministry, which is our college and young singles ministry. Basically, I support particularly our two ministry leaders, uh, Raymond and Shang, um, and pretty much just find ways to help enhance and build the things that they're doing. So, for example, the UCSD school year has just started, and that's one of our primary outreaches. And so. Uh, we've been doing a lot of different events geared towards campus outreach, and so I help provide a lot of kind of behind-the-scenes feedback, uh, support, advice, uh, just kind of tuning in, fine-tuning some of the things that we're doing and, and really being able to continue to build uh, just a lot of the things that they're already doing. And so it's been really exciting uh, being involved in that. Also involved in a writing project, particularly with Raymond, uh, which I'm really excited about. Uh, unfortunately, I can't really share more of the details at the moment, um, but it will come out soon or soonish, and so stay tuned <laughs> for that. And uh, this year, from October to June, I'm also teaching two different classes on Sunday evenings. Uh, this is just the kind of the exciting time that we get to spend more time in in studying together. And so, the first half of the year, I'll be teaching a Harmony of the Gospels class. And so, really, this is just a study through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just kind of seeing just how they're interwoven and in, in, in narrating, just really seeing the life of Christ um, and just learning more of the character of Christ. And also the second half of the year, I'll be teaching a church history class. And so I'm really, really excited because these are, this is the first year we're having 
uh, both these classes. And so I'm just pumped up. I'm excited. I think it'll be really helpful for our church. I think it'll be really well worth the time uh, to spend together. Lastly, during COVID, we've been having what we call virtual mini churches. So they meet together on Sundays, um, as, as it's said, virtually, uh, for those who are unable to make it in person. And so this has just been a great uh, time with just smaller groups within the church that are led by one of our church leaders. And I am in the rotation uh, to lead and preach uh, for one of these uh, groups on Sundays. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I knew all the, I already knew all of that, but even just hearing it myself um, all together, you just you just think to yourself, how does how does Luke do all that and you know and find all that time in just a week? It must be crazy, or he must just you know not sleep at all, or maybe he just you know doesn't work as much. But in reality, um, and maybe all of that, maybe all of that combined, or maybe not the not working part, but really to see his uh, he his effort and all that he puts in. I, he's actually someone who's very well known in our church for being not only a fast talker, but a fast writer and a fast typer and a fast man in general. He, he works he works fast and he works hard. And so he really commits to the church. And you just see that in all the ways that he does continue to serve. And I've personally been blessed to be Sunder's teaching. He used to teach our Friday night Bible studies all the way back when I was still a little freshman um, at UCSD. And I've been, been blessed to be able to sit under that teaching, be built up over all those years. And actually, we actually did go over the, the Gospels um, over that time. So it would be kind of like a little blast from the past as he continues to go through his Harmony of the Gospel series. But I know that's that's such an important reminder for us is that really to see how the big emphasis he has for serving in the church. But I think it will also be good for us to kind of learn more from you, Luke, in terms of just what you do, not just, you know, in the church and specifically spiritual things, but even perhaps in things that we would consider more mundane. So if, if you don't mind, would you share with us just a little bit more about what your occupation is, what you do for work, but also how do you practically worship God in all of that? Sure. I, uh, I graduated actually from UCSD. Uh, as a human bio major. And so I kind of came out of it working in various biotech companies. And currently I'm actually working in quality assurance. I'm a QA specialist in San Diego. Uh, so basically I'm the person that when things go wrong, I'm the person that people go to because they need to document what went wrong and also trying to work with them to make sure it doesn't happen again. So um, yeah, it's a lot of just kind of problem solving, um, a lot of talking to different individual and lots and lots of paperwork. So quite a thrill every single day, um, but I do enjoy it, and I'm thankful uh, to God for this job. But the question you ask, how do you practically worship God in that? I think that's a, that's a fantastic question. I, I think, you know, when you're looking at um, work, there's always an element there of working diligently, right? That we, that we are to be working hard, and we are to be working with integrity, no matter whatever job you have. Uh, it doesn't matter how monotonous it may seem. doesn't matter how seemingly trivial the job is. I've definitely gone through you know, stacks and stacks of paperwork before and you kind of lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing. And so, you know, I think it's really important that we look at some of the principles that Paul even exhorts um, in Colossians 3 to slaves. He says to slaves to work heartily as for the Lord rather than men. And this is shown by sincerity of heart and the fear of the Lord. And so for me personally, kind of taking from that, this can definitely be true. Uh, if you're going through a lot of repetitive tasks at work or you're going through stacks of paperwork, um, at the end of the day, I know that the Lord sees the work I do. I know that my attitude is one that should be honoring to the Lord, and that's what really matters. And even then, even just in the work, I've always enjoyed the principle of just being diligent. You just get good work done. And so work in and of itself is ordained by God even before the fall. And so something very satisfying, there is something very satisfying in doing good work and, and knowing that in and of itself, that, that glorifies our God. 
But I think just to kind of add a little bit to that, um, I enjoy working QA because I actually get the opportunity to interact with a lot of different departments uh, within my company. And so that gives me the opportunity to build a lot of great relationships uh, with a wide variety of my coworkers. And, and I try to you know, always make an intentional effort to build meaningful relationships at work. I, I ask people how they're doing and I don't just, you know, not just content with just talking about work things. Um, I make the extra effort you know, to work well with people even if they're difficult to work with. Um, and that goes a long way. You know, because at the end of the day, it's not just about getting work done, but it is a compassion toward the loss. It's, it's seeing people not just as a means to an end, um, but they really are souls that need Christ. And so sometimes I will meet with my coworkers over lunch to get to know them better. I get the opportunity to share my faith with them. In the past couple of years, I started a Bible study with one of my coworkers who, uh, who actually came to faith and was just baptized this past September. And, and I think that was just such, a, such an encouraging and joyful time to be able to celebrate with him. Uh, just God's faithfulness in his life. And so that was super yeah. sweet. And since then, the Bible study has grown to a larger group. And uh, it's really been a blessing to teach through the book of Romans. We go through that every Thursday, once a week over lunch. And it's just amazing to see how God can work. You know, even just trying to be faithful at work, uh, that God provides these opportunities and and really taking these opportunities that he gives um, to really be a witness and a light on, on at, at work. And so that's just been a joy of mine. Man, that's... Oh, so so it's so encouraging to hear. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Luke. And I hope that you can take from his example and just seeing where worship isn't just reserved for just serving the church. Worship isn't just reserved for being in the body of Christ, but worship is meant to be an everyday part of our lives. As uh, many of you already know, if you've been following with our podcast over this past month, and just seeing how Luke indeed is bringing the aspect of worship into the workplace with his coworkers, even just with the, his own his own work himself. But now, again, that perfectly transitions us into just really talking about our main idea of this month and of this podcast is just mediocre worship, mediocre worship. We've been tackling that all month, not only defining what mediocre worship is, but also defining what true worship is and just contrasting the two and just helping build up an understanding in all of us of what it means to truly worship God rightly, um, really with a focus on him in mind. And so as we kind of just talk about mediocre worship, for you, Luke, you know, I'm sure you've been following with us, following with with us on the podcast over the past couple weeks as well. What what is um what comes to mind for you when you think about mediocre worship? Yeah, definitely. I I think this is so so cool that you guys are addressing this topic because I think it's so important, so relevant uh, to everyone, but especially to the church today. And I think that kind of happens in the church a lot today, is that we kind of think of our worship to God. Um, not in the sense of giving him our best, our best effort, our best time, our best energy, our best years, everything of our life. Uh, but we kind of give him just kind of the leftover scrap, so to speak, or, you know, just kind of the minimal effort. Um, good illustration comes from Matthew 25. Um, Jesus is teaching the parable of the talents and the master gives his slaves a number of talents. And it says, according to his own ability. And so each of these servants or slaves, one is given five talents, one, two, one, one. And as you may know, these talents are representative of, you know, gifts, provisions, opportunities that God has given us to steward in this life well in order for us to bear fruit, to glorify him. And these are things that he will one day reward us with in heaven. Uh, But notice here that the slave with five talents, he made five talents more. And the slave with two talents gave, made two talents more. And so the response from the master is the same. He says, well done, good and faithful slave. And so when you look at this, it, it didn't matter how much is produced. Uh, mediocrity doesn't matter how much you produce. It matters to what you have been given, how you've been faithful to steward it well. 
Um, and I think when you think about mediocrity, what it really is, is if, if we were to go back to that same illustration and if the slave that was given five talents took those five talents and said, you know what, I, you know, I think I've really just been given one talent. And he kind of just squanders maybe a bunch of those and he invests in maybe one of them and just saying, oh, you know, let me just do something. You know, as long as I do something, I give some kind of effort um, and, and, and really just produce something to offer. Um, as I think Tim has already been talking about on this um, podcast, it's really just doing the bare minimum. It's kind of just seeing life as if I just do just enough, um, that that's sufficient. And so God is giving you a certain number of talents, and you're looking at that and saying, well, no, I can't really produce that much. I can't really do, he, he thinks that my ability is this high, but what I think of it is more like a, a one or two. He thinks of it like a nine or ten. I, you know, I'm not that kind of talent guy. I'm really just a one talent guy. And so you really don't have essentially any vision for your life. There's no real ambition for God. Um, when, when Jesus is teaching uh, to, the, uh, to the disciples, to the crowds, he says in Mark 8, 34 to 36, he says, if anyone would come after me, then they need to deny themselves. They need to take up their cross and they need to follow me. And people have forgotten there's a cost for following Christ. Um, but, you know, you see over and over again, Paul makes that clear. And, and so many t- times in the Gospels that there is a clear cost that you have to count. And so while the gospel is freely given by grace through faith, I don't deny that, there is also similarly a call to count the cost. If you're truly willing to commit your life to Christ, it should cost you something. Um, it, it seems like many of our churches today, rather than looking at that, that cost, they're in love with a comfortable Christianity. Um, it's really dangerously close to what the Bible refers to in Revelation as a lukewarm Christianity. Um, and so that's really sad because what you see then is, is minimal sacrifice. You see that faith is one of the priorities, but not the priority. Um, that when push comes to shove, people don't want to risk maybe their job or their leisure time, or th- you know, they just don't want to give up things in this life because they don't think it's worth it. Um, and so, you know, there's so many th- more things I can say. Maybe one last one I would say is, you know, what, is, what does Christ say is the greatest commandment when he's asked that? He said is, it is to love your Lord, with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And for some reason in our churches today, that sounds radical. That sounds like this, you know, this is something that is kind of crazy to ask for. Uh, mediocre worshipers, their first inclination when reading a verse like this, they say, well, all our heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength, you know, that, that seems a little unrealistic, right? It's like they're kind of like bargaining with God, right? Like, you know, do you, did you really mean that? And that's really sad because, you know, this should be expected for every Christian, I mean, it's literally the greatest commandment. If you're going to follow any commandment, wouldn't it be this commandment? And so, you know, I think that really is really sad that when you see mediocre worshipers, their emphasis really is just it's diminishing uh, what God calls them to do. It's diminishing God's commands, and, and it's really just seeing things as a kind of that bare level of commitment. And that's just not what we see in Scripture for what God calls us to do. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate that perspective. I mean, you brought us from the book of Genesis all the way back into the New Testament as well. And just and really filling in everything in between and just seeing how scripture again and again calls us to a life that is the complete opposite of mediocre. And yet it seems almost as if in our world today, mediocre has become the new normal and really a whole life, wholly committed life to Christ is the abnormal. But that's not really what the Christian life is meant to be. So mediocre worship almost seems like an oxymoron at, at that point. So thank you, thank you for that, Luke. And even just giving us that sound doctrinal basis of what, it should, what true worship is and how it's against uh, mediocre worship. 
But I think also kind of help our help our listeners this morning. If you will, could also just share a little bit more about just how you have seen it. So, I mean, I know that you've you're a man who has led many many things uh, in the history. I know that you've led a you've led a small group before. You've led you've led classes. You've led whole ministries before. And so over all that time, I mean, you've also been to different churches. So out of all that, all that, all those times, have you, or what are some examples of mediocre worship that you've commonly encountered? encountered? Yeah, um, you can definitely say, I mean, you see that all the time. And, and if I were honest, I would confess that there's times I see it in my own life, right? There's things that I examine and I see, you know, this isn't the kind of worship that God desires. And, and so, you know, as you're asking that question, I'm just thinking, you know, I've definitely seen one of the major ways to see to to kind of see mediocre worship uh, in our churches today and, and just in believers in general, um, it's the idea of following a man-made standard instead of a biblical God-given standard. Um, the idea of you know when you look at the standards that God sets in Scripture. So for example, like First Peter one, um, when he says you know you're to be holy as I am holy. Uh, a lot of people in this world they look at that God God standard. You're to be holy as God is holy. And they lower that. They, they put some sort of, you know, man-made restriction to that almost, a qualification to say, well, God doesn't really expect us to be holy as he is holy. Just, you, you just got to try. As long as you're making some effort, you know, you know, that's, that's, the, you know, that's, that's just, just do all you possibly can, you know, or, or not really, but just, but what seems to be good enough. Um, so you kind of look at the standard of holiness or you look at the standard of sacrificial service like Romans 12. Right. Uh, when God says you are to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, you're to offer yourself to God. And that requires then a whole life that is devoted to him. Right? He says this is spiritual worship to God. And a lot of times we look at that and we say, well, you know, does that really mean that we really have to give our whole life as a sacrifice to God? Like, you know, can I have my the own things that I like to do? And, you know, I don't really want to let go of those things. I don't really want to give those things to God. You know, when I think about my career or when I think about what kind of family I want to have, or when I think about, you know, what I want to do with my life, it's almost like, you know what, God, you can take my Sundays, you can take my Saturdays even, but, you know, Monday to Friday, you know, those are the kind of time that I kind of want to myself. And so it's almost like there's a reluctance to really give it all. Um, Or you can think worldliness. You know, there's a lot of things that we follow in the church sometimes where it's just become so diminished when you view um, how we are to interact with the world. Are we really you know, in the world and yet not of the world. Well, one of the prime examples that you'll see of this idea of doing just enough is comparison. I think that's so popular in the church today is that people inherently, they won't look to God's standard and say, this is what I should be living up to. Rather, they look at man's standard. And so what do they do? They look around at church. They see another brother and sister. They, They look around at the general people in their vicinity, maybe their peers, and they use that as the barometer or they use that as a standard to say, okay, I just need to live like they're living, right? I just need to be maybe as good as them or better, or I need to do as much as this person is or more. When, I do, when really we should be looking at scripture first. And so it's not to say that there shouldn't be people in the church that we should be imitating our life after, but this idea of comparison is almost like we make ourselves feel better. We validate ourselves by finding someone who maybe is like, you know what, they're, they're not doing nearly as much as I am. Or, oh, they're definitely not as gifted as I am. Or, you know, they're only giving up one day of the week. I'm giving up three days of the week. And so you kind of essentially are looking at other people and saying, that, that makes me feel better. That makes me feel like I'm really good or I'm really mature or I'm really godly just because I'm better than this person X, Y, and Z. 
And so not only is that a obviously a horrible kind of attitude that you should be that you shouldn't be having towards others in the church, but that is detrimental to yourself. Because God is giving you a standard in his word and what you're saying is, well, it's not really that. It's more like let's be realistic. Let's just look around and see, you know, who in the church is 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 kind of doing it and I I just need to meet that standard. Um, so I think that's that's really sad. You see that in the church all the time. I think another way you see that is uh, when people view ministry as if it's kind of like a career. Like, you know, when you're when you're in college or when you're younger, you know, hey, ministry, that's a young people's game. <laughs> you know, you, you got a lot of the youthfulness. You got all the hours. I mean, you're, you only have like an hour of class a week. So you should have like, you know, another 80 hours or whatever to give to the church. Right. And so a lot of people look at that and they say, yeah, you have the energy, you have the time. And so that's the time to do ministry. But as you get older, people start to say, well, you know, you're kind of it's almost like you're just like weaning yourself away from ministry. Like, oh, well, you know, now that I'm working, you know, well, I have I don't I don't have like 40 hours of my week already taken out. I get home. I'm tired. I don't want to do things. Honestly, I don't want to think about the church. I don't want to think about the people. I just want to sit on the couch and I want to watch TV. I want to eat dinner and I want to sleep. Um, and so, you know, and then that just, I mean, that just gets perpetuated further. When you get married, I mean, are you going to be, are you going to have more time or less time? Well, no, now you have kids or now you have a wife or a husband to take care of at the home, managing your home, taking care of your kids and raising them. And, and so all of a sudden these hours are getting eaten out of your day. And so usually the, the sad thing is usually the first thing that gets thrown out is church. Uh, ministry gets tossed out the window and people, and it's not to say that your ministry won't change over time. It does. Practically speaking, you only have certain hours of the day. But instead of integrating or instead of involving the things that you're doing, uh, you know, whether it's at work, whether it's at, you know, at home, as part of your worship to God, it's almost like these are things that take place of right worship to God. And so the involvement in the church starts to go away. And then you get older and older. And what do you do? You essentially retire from ministry. It's almost like, oh, I'm retiring from my work. I'm also retiring from my spiritual work. And so it's almost like, well, now I'm too old to do anything. And so I shouldn't do anything. And I should let the young people take over. And when I look at this, I just think, man, that, that is a sad view of ministry. That's a sad view of worship. That, you know, just because you're getting older does not mean that you retire from ministry. It doesn't mean you move on. God's calling in life is for you to obey him, to follow him to worship him, to serve him, that doesn't change. So all your other life circumstances, those things can all change, but your call to work for the Lord heartily, to be faithful, to honor him, that's, that's lifelong. And the only time that that really stops is if Christ comes back or if you go to be with him. I mean, that's it. And so, you know, I mean, I think there's so much more that I can talk about. Um, really quickly, I can say worldliness is a big one. People just basically getting caught up in all this endless entertainment mindless scrolling on social media. You know, we basically been trained to have no attention span anymore. We were trained to have instant gratification. I mean, there's so many things, uh, you know, people just don't want to look different from the world anymore. Uh, people want to look like the world and, and that doesn't bring anyone to Christ. Uh, you get so many people who are defensive about drinking or about watching basically ungodly TV shows. And they're more passionate about defending these so-called Christian liberties than really standing for the truth of the word of God. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we can go, I mean, this could go yeah. like 60, 70, yeah. 80 minutes, but, definitely. you know, that's some of the things I've definitely seen. And I think I think that's a good point where I can just real, real quick um, insert again. You can always email us at rechargeradio at rgcsd.com. I think that's 
a resource we want to make available to you is that if you heard there's so many great things here from us, from Luke especially, and as, as you've probably heard, and he again, there's so much more that we can say. There's so much more we can really bring in from the gospel, or sorry, from yeah, from the Bible and from the scriptures, and that we just we just don't have time to go over. Uh, but if there's something you really want to know, if there's something that really you really want to ask that we can help you with, then definitely shoot us an email. Shoot us an email so that we can answer those questions. And maybe we'll even get Luke to come back and uh, send you a, a personal personal answer from the man himself. But, yeah, with that, I appreciate, again, the perspective. And I think Luke really not only just, you know, talks the talk, but he really does walk the walk as well. Uh, as he, you probably remember from the beginning, um, he was sharing how he was just, he was just married over a, about a year ago from this point. And he, indeed, life does get busy. And I'm sure that Luke uh, kind of attests to all the ways in he, which, you know, even his own life has changed and how now he has to take care of Judy, his wife, and how the whole adds just a whole different kind of dynamic to his life. And yet, I would say that somehow Luke manages still to do more and is still to continue striving after, uh, striving after the Lord, and especially in caring for the church. And so I think, you know, that's right there is an example of what it definitely is possible, right? It definitely is possible. And so I think a question for you, Luke, then, even personally, I think right now we've talked much about really the examples of mediocre worship all across the world, not just America, but really across the world. So for yourself personally, what do you do to really avoid or fight against mediocre worship in your own life? What's something that maybe in the day-to-day or throughout the week that you try to keep in mind that you do to make sure that you don't fall into that same pitfall? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think when it comes to my own life, I've definitely seen periods of time where it's so easy to get more attracted to people-pleasing, uh, to really please people rather than to please God. Um, and I think, you know, I've, I've, I appreciate this quote I've actually heard before. It says it's, it's easier to look more mature than to actually be mature. And, you know, I think oftentimes in ministry, yeah, I've been tempted to do that. I've been tempted to be more concerned about how people perceive me um, than really how God sees me. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of things that you have to be careful for because it's really easy to present something in public when you're doing public ministry. And, but really just be completely you know, in spiritual drought when it comes to your own personal walk um, in private, you know, because people don't see that. Only really God sees that. And so, you know, I think for me, I guess the ways that I try to go about basically working through these things or fighting that temptation, uh, I think there's a lot of good ways. Uh, one, I think is really simple. You just find other brothers and sisters who are devoted to the Lord. Uh, find people who really have that kind of ambition, have that kind of you know, just zeal for the Lord that, that aren't content with that kind of mediocre worship that we've been talking about. And, and this isn't just leaders, leaders, although, you know, hopefully your leaders are those kind of people, um, but even just other individuals in the church and, and just people who are truly, truly devoted. When you look at their life, they really are serious about their faith. And these are the people who are committed to the Lord, both in public and in private. And so these are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with, right? You want to, you want to come close to, you want to, you want to put people in your life who are wise, not foolish, and so these are the kind of people who are going to challenge you in your faith. They're going to, you know, for me, tell me what I need to hear. They'll tell me, you know, yeah, what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Um, you know, finding a, a mature believer of the same gender to disciple you, um, to someone who's going to model uh, a life of worship, uh, what that really looks like. You know, some examples for, for me personally is just seeing the elders and, and seeing their ministry in my life, seeing how much that they have stayed true to, to holding on, holding fast to a you know, a biblical standard of godliness, of, of what it looks like to be a godly man. And so I've appreciated that so much in my own life um, to really run after that, to imitate them uh, because they're imitating Christ. Um, and I think another way that you can do that is, is simple, is build a consistent habit of reading and prayer every day. Um, you know, whatever you call it, quiet times, devotionals, personal time with God, 
You know, there, there's just no replacement for this. There's no replacement for this when it comes to spiritual growth in the Christian life. There's no, you know, gimmicks or secrets to how can you become a godly Christian. You know, God makes that very clear in his word. Know, your, know his word. Um, commune with him in prayer regularly, consistently. Um, so just by focusing on developing consistency in it first, we talk about that all the time, and then building it more as it comes to the quality or the, the quantity even of the time that we spend. Um, and I think as I'm kind of going through God's word, as I'm praying, you know, just identifying what are God's standards? What does God call me to do in my life? What is, and, and, and when you see those standards, when you see the principles that are laid out for you in scripture, then I just make that the standard of my life. I mean, it's that simple. You just look at it, you see it for what it is, and you say, I want to follow that standard. I don't want to follow any other man-made standard. So whatever the world is throwing at you, whatever even the church is throwing at you when it comes to things that are not really biblical, don't find it in scripture, then you have to be discerning. And you, and you want to be able to counter those things and think, okay, no, I want to follow what God has commanded me to do in scripture. Um, and I think, you know, just to reiterate that too, is just prayer. That if you want to live your life with true, genuine worship and not to be mediocre, okay. And I think a lot of the problem one of our brothers shared recently, one of the problems with um, the church today is just a prayerlessness. It's a lack of prayer. People are not praying. Um, and you can't really quantify that, but you know it when you're not doing it. And I think that's really what the thing is. If you're genuinely praying for God's will constantly, then you cannot be, you cannot help but be excited to do his will. Um, so, you know, praying, being in the word, finding other godly brothers and sisters, surrounding yourself with that, finding really what the biblical standard is and actually making that the standard of your life and commit to it. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I would say to that. Man, thanks for sharing, Luke. It really is so simple, as you said, from reading to praying to having biblical friends is just the foundations of the Christian life. And it kind of does blow my, blow my mind sometimes when it's just so simple like that. But and I think the viewers would love to hear a little bit more, if you don't mind sharing, just a little bit more about the ways in which practically it's actually played out in your life. You know, when, has some, when has been a time when someone has been a biblical friend to you or when is a time when perhaps reading or praying has just really fueled you for the rest of the day? Yeah, that's super cool. Another great question, Andy. Um, you know, I think we can just, we can go on and on, but just when it comes to daily life, I think there's so many things like what I was just sharing. You know, when you're talking about praying, right? And, and Or yeah, just the aspect of prayer. Uh, I think that's something that the elders have been really kind of focusing in on, uh, particularly in building up some of the leaders. So for myself and a, another brother, we've been spending pretty much the past like year and a half just really dialing down on a genuinely a life of of personal prayer and and so many times we kind of overlook it and we treat it as something that is somehow lesser of a service to the lord and a service to the church um but you know something we started off with the church i remember our pastor one of our pastors pastor chris he would say you know our church that we need to be bathed in prayer everything that we do are we praying and and, and just coming before the lord and, you know earnestly urgently asking you know praying bold prayers and, you know, I think that was something that I was really challenged by um, because, yeah, I could see that in my own life, which was just a lack of quality in prayer, a lack of, you know, just a genuine desire to just spend time in the Lord, uh, with the Lord in prayer. And so um, something that they really kind of just continue to key in on is, you know, when we pray to the Lord, are we praying it just kind of out of a, a rote, you know, kind of repetition? Are we just praying, you know, just going down the list of things that we know we need to pray for? I've definitely find my, found myself in that position before. Um, but, you know, even just kind of going through and having the elders kind of come alongside 
uh, some of us and walking us through what does it really look like to have, you know, a day by day walk with the Lord in prayer. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm still reaping the benefits from it. I'm still learning and growing a lot <laughs> even right now um, to kind of practically apply that, you know, whether it's in the morning, whether it's just throughout the day, um, but to really see how precious that time is and to not let things in my life um, get in the way of that. Um, and so uh, something else for me, even just recently, just thinking about God's word, uh, you know, I was sharing with a couple of guys at, at church as well. I'm going through Isaiah right now and Isaiah 48 Uh, talks about in verse 17 he says thus says the lord your redeemer the holy one of israel i am the lord your god who teaches you to profit who leads you in the way you should go verse 18 if only you had paid attention to my commandments that your well-being would have been like a river and your righteousness like the ways of the sea and something i was just really keying on that i mean obviously god is speaking ultimately to israel um, but he's talking there he's saying the lord i am the lord your god who teaches you to profit Hmm. and just thinking about the concept of the fact that obedience is something that actually is a benefit to us it profits us a lot of times people in this world they think of it as you know you look at giving you look at sacrifice you look at things it's just all about what do i have to give up and am i getting back you know enough to make it worth it Mm -hmm. right am i getting a profit from it and and the world looks at it as i I give the least and try to get the most right because that's just the selfish mindset of even our sinful uh, of our flesh um but when you look at what god says you know obedience when he teaches us and when he leads us, that's for our profit. That's for our benefit. That's something that will, you know, give us an increase, um, whether that be in fruit in our lives, whether it be in righteousness in our lives, whether that be in just living a life that is filled with joy, with hope, with peace, and because we follow the path that God has set for us. And so something as simple as that, and when you spend time in the word and you just are refreshed by your time in the word and you see things like what God tells you, you know, do you really you know, see my word, you see obedience as something that can be joyfully done. Um, so, you know, I know like Andy, you've been a part of Rejoice Ministry, and I think that's something that's really exciting in our church. Uh, it's just an opportunity for you to increase the fellowship and mm-hmm. the joy, really, the daily joy of our church. And, you know, what does that look like for you, I guess, you know, when it comes to um, looking at God's word and how is that refreshing uh, maybe for you and for your ministry when it comes to worship? Yeah, I think when I think about Rejoice Ministry here and uh, for those of you who don't know what our Rejoice ministry is, it's really our inreach, as you say, ministry in which we um, really think about and seek to build up the joy, build up the unity, build up the peaceability within the church. We're always aiming to um, not only plan events on one side, but also just care for the individual uh, members of the church. And at, at the end of the day, all that ultimately is done is through the word, right? It's through the word. And that's really what fuels us to continue moving on. And so whenever we go and even meet people, whenever, when we drop off food or drop off even little care packages for people, we always have, I guess in some cases, like a little note card where we add in like, oh, here's a Bible verse to kind of be for you to be thinking about when you're like, ah, like when you're sick and tired and overwhelmed by uh, your whether your sickness or all the other busy all the busyness of the work day uh, or sometimes even when someone who is he's feeling down and feeling sad when we come in as rejoice ministry it's never just kind of like a little pat on the back we're like you know it's gonna be okay um, but we come in saying it's gonna be okay because god is <laughs> with you and not just in an emotional way but understand that you know god does work all things for the good of those who love him love him god does really work and to use the circumstances of a person's life to help grow them to sanctify them to build them up and so we really i think for my life i just really just see how the word really is there as the foundation to really sustain every ministry that i am a part of including rejoice and so yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I think I've definitely been a recipient of that. I know there's many times where care packages are just left at my front door. I mean, it's kind of like Elijah and the Ravens. You know, they just bring food <laughs> for you and they bring care packages for you. But along with that, you know, you actually see uh, prayer. You see a lot of prayer. You see a lot of encouraging words, encouragement, encouragement notes. So my wife has been really blessed by that when she wasn't feeling well. I've been blessed by that and just kind of random surprise kind of visits and, and encouragements. Um, so you, you just see the effect of that, right? When a church is so excited to just have that, you know, daily worship, right? That daily joy in the Lord that, that, that just brings so much, uh, you know, just excitement in the church. And I think, you know, yeah, I've just been really thankful for, for you and for your ministry too, Andy. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, I'm always so happy to serve the church and serve the body. So as we kind of move on from here, let's really get into the nitty gritty details, you know, for our church, uh, Redeemer's Grace Church can you maybe even share some examples of mediocre worship you've seen over the years and just the ways that it was addressed? Yeah, I mean, I think just in the past, like I said, even just having been at our church from the beginning, there are a lot of things that when we started out, it was pretty rough. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. Uh, there are things that we had to learn and grow from. And and even just talking about that whole retirement mentality, like you could see that in our church. Um, and in some ways, it's still things that we're growing in. Uh, but, you know, that, that kind of was where we started out from was that a lot of people were thinking in that kind of way of, you know, the college students can do everything, but the young adults, the, the married couples, they're so busy, they can't do things. Um, really, they shouldn't even be doing things. If, if they can even attend, like that's good enough. Um, and I think what happens then is that church members kind of kind of basically accept this reasoning as a norm. They kind of treat it as like, well, that's just spread across the board. Younger people who come in, they come in thinking that same way. And, and it really wasn't helpful because then you start to have a church where there's like a good proportion of it that aren't really doing much. They're, they're kind of just saying, you know, I'm just going to stay at home or I'm just going to work and do whatever I need to do and not think about the church. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that similar kind of thing going on. Yeah, I mean, when I came in to Redeemer's Grace Church, which was essentially halfway, I came in exa- about five years ago. And I think I remember coming in, I, I really saw that divide, a really strong divide between those who really wanted to serve and to be part of the church life, but then also those who were very content, almost definitely I would even say far too content, I would to the degree of complacence where they were just kind of stood off to the side and just chose not to do anything and chose kind of to allow other people to really take up and take up the initiative. Yeah, I think the question is then like, what do you do, right? Like, what do you do at that point when you're looking at the church and you're seeing this kind of divide or you're seeing people who are really involved, who want to do more and other people who are kind of content with just sitting back? Uh, I think you're going to probably get that at any church. Um, but I, I think one, you know, when you can, as you brought up, you know, I think at the time you came in, that was pretty much a big kind of changing turning point in our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went through a lot of growing pains. And I think really what happened starting from the leadership down was just kind of like, you know what, we can do more as a church and we can do things in a, in, in a right way, in a better way. Um, we can really build some of the ministries that we're already doing. We can establish new ministries and a lot of things just kind of developed out of that. And there were a lot of growing pains. I mean, I, I won't deny there was were some of the hardest years, but also some of the most fruitful because you could see how God was working even when it was hard. And so, you know, we've had people leave the church. We had people have issues and different things that you have to work through. And a lot of it was because people don't, don't agree. Don't, they don't see that as something of, a calling that God has given every single Christian that how do you live your life fully devoted to God? I mean, it's just so simple as that. And, and they may not see it that way, but, but I think that's really one of the biggest things that I saw um, in that transition period. And so at this point at our church, you know, 10 years down the road or five years from, you know, when you kind of came in, I mean, you can probably see a lot of differences, right? I mean, I don't know. Oh yeah. I mean, clear night and day differences. And 
I, I was uh, at some point I almost I almost wish that some of our newest members could even though take a take a little time time machine back and just kind of see just the sheer difference it was even from for myself personally going from even five years ago from even my first year in college and coming to Redeemer's Grace Church and um, just seeing um, the faithfulness of specific leaders and men who were committed to really not only teaching the word of God but also um, exhorting correcting encourage, encouraging the the newcomers and the young believers in the church and I, even for myself I mean I think Luke can attest to how, how, how young I was back then and to see how the Lord has really worked worked in me in my own life Yes, I do remember uh, Tank Top Andy with his shorts uh, looking like uh, came to have the life of the party. Um, but, you know, you know, God is so gracious. And of course, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that's how you were at that time, but um, definitely I've seen a lot of growth in your life. Uh, super exciting seeing how much you've grown, even just in leadership. Um, and, and I think actually a great question, too, is that I think a lot of church leaders, when they look at the church today, uh, with their, their own churches, uh, maybe some people out there who are looking at their own churches, I think they think that if they're going to call their members to a life of sacrifice, if they're going to call their members to a life of genuine, wholehearted commitment and worship to God, I think th they're afraid. I think they're afraid that they're going to lose people, that people aren't going to respond well to that. Um, and, and so, you know, it's almost as if leaders are responding more to their members, right? More to people's emotions, trying to basically appeal to them and, and make them feel comfortable um, but you can't you can't look at work, uh, ministry that way. You can't. I mean, we've had people leave our church, and sometimes it's necessary. Yeah, I think sometimes you know when you're trying to be faithful in ministry, there are always there are always will be people who will leave the church, um, and and you know it happens, and it's always you know hard, but it's not the end. And I think that's something that we continue to push through, continue to be faithful, and God is going to be faithful. We don't have to worry about that. So I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Luke. Even for me, when I think back to my freshman year, that was something I just noticed right away. It really like hit me in the face. It was just how the leaders are so unashamedly holding to the stat standard of excellence. It was super clear. And I think naturally then that scares people. And it naturally scares people because it challenges them. It gets them out of their comfort zone and makes them want to do things they perhaps don't want to do. But, but the people that do stay, the people that do remain, I mean, they just grow like crazy because the church really does just get opportunity for them to grow because of that high standard of excellence. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see the life of the church now, right? I mean, at our church, we have, I mean, we have so many events. We have a lot of events going on, ministries that go on throughout the week. Uh, and it's not unusual. I mean, you can pretty much see like six to seven church events in any given weekend. I mean, that's not unusual for us. Uh, not to mention weekly fellowship groups, small groups, informal meetups during the week. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's just the fact of doing a lot of things uh, that that means necessarily fruitful or faithful worship. But at the same time, I think what we often get, you know, when some people visit or maybe when people have come to our church in the past, they'll say, they'll say things like, well, you know, you're, you're just trying to do too much, right? Like, you know, people are going to get burnt out. Uh, my favorite, you guys are a college church. Once you get older, you won't have as much time for church things. Uh, and, you know, in my life, you know, I graduated, I started working full time, I got married, and I'm still trying to figure out when I'm finally going to be too old to have time for church things. Um, but that's the same that's true for a lot of our a lot of our church members that, you know, we've just grown older and we've just gotten more and more just passionate about doing things for the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, I think honestly, if you look at it, the way that we do things at our church, it's not difficult to understand. We just want to maximize what God has given us. So we've given us our time, our energy, our spiritual gifts, our talents, our skills, and we want to use that for the sake of honoring the Lord. We want to glorify our master. I mean, 
a lot of churches are more content with focusing on pleasing their members than pleasing God. Um, and, and, and that's, I mean, that's just a sad truth. And that's not all churches, but that is the majority of our churches today that we see. And I'm just abundantly thankful that that's not our church. And I think what Luke has mentioned before is definitely not a exaggeration. When he says six to seven events, really is six to seven events. And it's really an amazing thing to see the fruits born from each and every single one of these events, to see the time in which people learn from um, the devotion that is shared, from the fellowship that is had. But I think as people listen, as they hear of all these wonderful ways that this church has grown and helped people grow, what would you say to someone who is struggling, someone who is struggling to worship God in that excellence, to really follow God to that high standard that he has been called to? Yeah, I think just to kind of a quick point again, just to say, you know, our church is still, we're still working through it, right? We're still growing. Um, It's not to say we don't still have some of those issues, uh, but I think you know, at the end of the day, we keep the standard, the biblical standard. And I think that's so important. So, you know, if, if, we're, if I'm talking to someone who's struggling to worship God, and of course there's individuals in our church that, you know, they're still growing in this area. And we're constantly trying to encourage and build, you know, really right worship, wholehearted worship. I think one thing is just, you just re-examine your own heart. You know, just find out where do your priorities really lie? Um, because I can bet you everyone really is passionate about something. And someone who, you know, doesn't really have that kind of excellence in worship, they're probably spending their time and energy devoted to something else. Um, it's not like you just go through life with just kind of no purpose, no meaning, no anything. I mean, people say they do, but that's not true. Um, but what, you know, so kind of just look at it. Right? What idols do you have in your life? What are things that you are essentially putting before God um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the priority list when it comes to worship? You know, when you look at your life, where do you spend the most time? Uh, when you look at your thoughts, where do you spend the most time thinking about, right? And that's something that's just really simple. You just ask, you know, and, and when you look at those questions, you know, ultimately, what are you worshiping and, and who do you, who or what do you love? Um, so, I mean, that, that just happens so much. And I think that's something that just trying to encourage you first examine it and find out what the, what that root problem is. A lot of times those are also aligned with sins that are hindering you in your life. You know, if you value, you know, your own comfort, then, Laziness is probably a big part of it. Selfishness with your time, right? If you value maybe your image or a certain perception that you have, maybe you still want to look good in the eyes of the world. Well, pride goes along with that. People pleasing, all those things, those go along with that. And so really examining your life, repenting from sin when it needs to be repented from, um, correcting and getting things out that are just not wise, are foolish things. Don't waste your time doing things you know aren't going to really add anything to your worship to God. And just be dependent. I would tell someone, you know, just be dependent. Be dependent on God. Um, build that consistent devotional time. Build that consistent prayer. Um, and, and and you can tell when you're doing things on your own strength or when you're doing things on God's strength. You know, I, I've talked to individuals. Um, I'm sure you've met people who say, you know, I'm getting burnt out. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, how do you how would you approach that? Right. I mean, I've heard that so many times. I'm getting burnt out. I feel like I can't do any more. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, I definitely hear that all the time. When you think, man, there's just too much going on. I don't have enough energy to really get through it. And what you find is exactly like you said. You find them just really relying on their own strength. They just think in their minds, like, I just got to do and do this. I got to do this next. I got to do this next. And really the sad thing is that even as you mentioned earlier, ministry turns into another occupation. It turns into a work. And they start thinking about, okay, I got to clock in this many hours. Got to finish this objective. I got to meet this deadline. And the sad part really of it is that 
the focus, the goal, the end of their ministry, of their service, which is meant to be God and honoring him, that's completely gone. And they just lose focus on who God is. So I think one thing I really add on is to really help someone who is struggling with that mediocre worship is to really think about you know, who is the focus of their life and really bringing it back to the Lord and bringing back really his purpose, or his purpose, his end purpose. And I've met people as well who say, like you said, oh, yeah, I don't really care about anything or I don't really have passions for anything. And they're almost they're almost like passionate for not having passions about anything. And <laughs> that's just kind of what, what, what they do. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that as well. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I always think that's funny. It's like, it's almost like a point of pride um, to not really be driven by anything, to have no ambition, no desire in your life. Uh, I thought it was funny too, because even personally in my life, I remember a time in high school where I, I was kind of a, I would just do a lot of different things and I'd be very committed to a lot of things. Um, and one of them was band. And I remember my band instructor, my band director, he actually said, you know, there's this kind of like saying that you put on this, like the, your end of the year graduation certificate. And he put, he's a money player, but only when he wants to. And <laughs> I thought that was really indicative. What he meant by that is he's good, but only when he tries essentially. Um, and, and it's kind of just representative of me at the time, which was, I didn't really have much driving me. There was not really a lot of passion, not really a lot of desire. I, com- I committed myself to a lot of things, but never really like gave all in. It was kind of just like, oh, I like doing this. I like, you know, playing the sport. I like playing in an instrument. I like, you know, doing whatever club. Um, and when I came to college, it, that became a problem because I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Hmm. Right, what do I want to do with my life? And, you know, fast forward, I'm doing paperwork. Um, so is that something <laughs> that's super passionate? And I think for me, what I realized was my passion is always going to be to serve the Lord. Um, so no matter what I'm doing, it didn't really matter what I was doing from my eight to five. I'm still going to do it in a way that worships God. But I think ultimately my time, and my devotion, you know, how I set my time, how I structure even family and marriage um, is always to make sure that the church and to love the church, to serve the church is a priority. Um, that was something where I was just like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to commit my time to. And I think the church needs people like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the church definitely does. And I know our church is very glad, glad to have you with us. And so, and I, I wish, and I'm sure even our listeners right now wish we can get some more and hear more from you. But alas, no, time is short. And so in this last couple of moments, do you have any last words for our listeners? Yeah, I think uh, one very quick one. Come to RGC. Uh, <laughs> if you are in San Diego, we are in the Claremont area. We meet for service every Sunday at 9 a.m. There is in person and online. Uh, so if you're not in SD or you're unable to tune in or sorry, get out, then tune in online. Get plugged in, www.rgcsd.com. Uh, I'm not even kidding. I, I, you, know, you just come and see what we're all about. You know, Don't just take my word for it. Don't take Andy's word for it. Just come and, and check it out. Um, you know, We're a relatively small church, but we, we really serve a great God. Uh, so you're going to find soon enough that we don't let our size limit our reach. Um, our God does not need armies to accomplish his, command, his, his uh, plan. He just needs men and women who are faithful to worship him, to worship him according to his will, not according to ours. So, you know, at RGC, we're, we're doing all we can to maximize, right? Maximize the time, maximize energy, gifts. Uh, we want to bear lots of fruit. Uh, so come check us out. But that being said, online resources do not replace the local gathering of the church. Uh, so even during COVID time, I can't emphasize how important it is to find a church that teaches the truth, a local church in your area, without compromise. Um, and to see really not just the members from the leadership down that they clearly live out what they preach. Find a church that does that, doctrinally sound, and the members live out what they preach. Um, and so that, that's something you want to find. And for those at RGC or another biblically sound church already, then just find as many opportunities to get involved. 
right? Attend as much as possible. And it, it looks a little differently right now. We're in quarantine, but um, as much as possible, attend things live, in person, uh, listen to things online, previous recordings. It's good as far as content goes, but a part of learning isn't just the private study, right? It's, it's really getting engaged, right? Getting involved with the church to fellowship over the word, uh, building one another up. Um, so, you know, you can put a lot of what you're learning into action when you actually show it, right? When you spend time with the church. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure you know, like, even just the switch from online to in-person. I mean, how was that change for you? Um, oh, man. I, I remember when I walked into that room for the first time in many, many months, you could almost feel the, the palpable energy in the air. You could see the people were just so excited. Of course, everyone was wearing masks and they were social distancing and stuff. But people were just, like, almost, like, vibrating with excitement and people just couldn't wait to just meet up and talk to this person to catch up with this person they were so excited even just to sit down because they knew that when they sat down and the lights lights turned off or turned on and the preacher got up there to preach and they were able to hear it in person they were able to hear it hear it and be exhorted by the word and uh, that, it really is such a blessing to be able to meet in person and to really cherish that time together in fellowship yeah, I mean, it just goes to show the local church is essential. If you don't want to live your life in mediocre worship, then find a good church. Don't settle for a mediocre church. Find a good church and find a place where people genuinely seek to worship God, and they and they challenge you to do the same. Um, so, yeah, like I said, if you're in San Diego, come on down. Come visit us. We'd love to have you. Uh, we want to warmly welcome you. Um, and there's just so many exciting things to be a part of. Yep, and indeed there are. Indeed there are. But alas, time is coming to a close, and we want to thank you for joining us today for our first ever interview at Recharge Radio. Super awesome to be here, Andy. Yeah, I'm so glad you could come join us, even just for this really short hour of time. Uh, and I pray that people were blessed and they were able to learn and grow from just listening to just all the wonderful truth you're able to share with us. Um, but for all of you who are listening, again, we want to let you know that you can ask any questions, that we take any and all questions. You just email us at rechargeradio at rgcsd.com, and we will definitely answer them. And we want to do whatever we can to really help further your faith and help grow your worship to the Lord. That's all from us at Recharge Radio. Thanks again for joining us. God bless and have a great day. Hey, uh, Andy, when are you uh, planning on proposing to Jess? Dude, let me tell you. Oh, man, I already got this planned out. We're going to go to this nice little beach, and Ooh. we're going to head, head up to the top of this mountain, and maybe we'll do a little skydiving down. And nice. Hopefully on the way or some somehow I'll be able to get the ring out without dropping it. And good, good, at good. At that point, can, yeah. we, can we tune in, too? We'll be in the background cheering you on, praying for you. Well, you know, you're always welcome to get some binoculars, I guess. Oh, perfect, perfect.